You are listening to season three of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Welcome to the Week Pastor Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today, whether it's the morning, the afternoon, or the evening for you. We are delighted to have you. And we have a real, I think, uh, an important topic to talk about. Uh, Sua, uh, how are you doing? You look really nice in that purple sweater. Oh, thank you. It's, um, you know, I feel it's cold like, over there. The, well, the winter is coming, but I'm trying yes, to hold on coming. to the little bit of spring by wearing my lavender, lavender sweater. Oh, okay. It's, okay. It's La- cashmere and I got it for, I got it on sale. <laughs> you, you, know, you know what it is about Koreans? About- <laughs> Koreans always have to tell the deal we got because we want to make people so feel bad. bad that they can't get a deal that we got, you know, kind Apparently, of a thing. No, I read recently it's a Midwestern thing where people can't just accept compliments. We have to tell them how much we got it for. <laughs> Um, I will not tell people how much I got it for, but I'll tell you it wasn't full price. I'm okay, allergic okay. to buying things full price. Yeah. And then, and, and then I remember you brought those Levi. What are those tight jeans you brought? The ones that kind of, like you said, to like that kind of sticks. Yeah, my rigid, my rigid Levi's. Rig, rigid, rigid cotton. Yeah. That's right. Rigid yeah. cotton. Yeah. And they yeah. don't, they don't fit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's another problem you're too muscular now pray for you're me too pray muscular. for me yeah. yeah I wish okay. that were the problem alright so we're going to start off with a question first so Sua what is this question uh, and audience I want you guys to know that Sua has literally um, in a black box a deck of cards that all there is is just questions mm-hmm. I think it's really cool so uh, we have a lot so Sua what's the question that we're going to ask the question is the million dollar question it's literally what the million is, dollar question is, is if you if you, if you won dollars? the mega millions, what would you do with it? That's literally the question. You do you play? You don't. I mean, are you not allowed to come? I never, I you, never play that. Okay, because the odds um, of winning is just a waste of. I might as well just throw money in the garbage. That's what. See, that's why you're a pessimist, PP. Remember we had this conversation? Really? You're a pessimist because you're kind of like, there's no way. But John, John doesn't play the lotto like all the time. Yeah. When it goes above a certain amount, you know, when it's like yeah, really, really, yeah. really bonkers, like yeah. nobody gets it for like three weeks yeah, in a like row or something like that. Dollars, and then, yeah, 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 yeah. Then John's like, I have to. I just have to. So then he'll literally like if it's the day before and he forgot, he's like, oh, my gosh, I got to yeah. go. It's like 10 o'clock at night. He's like, I got to go to the gas station. Oh, my gosh, the chickens are back. OK, sorry. <laughs> you hear chickens, man. You gotta, Stephen you gotta do Brewster something. Rooster is chicken. staring at me. Oh my! Goodness. Anyway, so so anyways, if you won the Mega Millions, right? Let's say it's an absurd amount of money. All right. What would you do? I've thought about this before. I have thought about this. Like, if I just all of a sudden came came like to a lot of money, what would I do with it? Uh, first and foremost, uh, I would tithe that to the church. That would be the first wow. and foremost, most important thing I would do. Uh, would you Metro tithe ten percent? Would you tithe ten yes. percent? Would you tithe gross or net? Uh, I would do probably whatever <laughs> I get after taxes. That's what I would do, right? Whatever <laughs> okay. I do after taxes. So I would tie that first and foremost. Uh, I would be so delighted because I wouldn't have to worry about paying college tuition for the kids. That would be great. Um, I would I would probably uh, give a donation to our building fund. Because uh, we still need to raise money, but I would, I would definitely, and, and you know, it's not great to have one person fund the whole thing, but I would definitely fund the whole thing. And uh, what I would do is I would go to the city of Englewood and I would say, listen, I know like part of the issue that you have with us is that you want us to donate. We're asking you to donate the building, but you don't got to do that anymore. I'll pay for the building. I'll give you guys a check. Here it is. And, uh, and uh, you know, just let us get, let, let us get to doing this. So I, I would do that. Uh, so I would, I would fund that project. I would probably, I I would probably start. Um, I might even hire my daughter, but I would probably start sort of like a, a nonprofit. Uh, that's really that that uh focuses on supporting organizations around the world, uh, particularly here in the U.S. as well. That just really you know kind of like the Zamele approach, um, uh, kind of not giving handouts but hand ups kind of a thing. So I would probably do that, and then for us, we wouldn't move. I would just expand this house. I would expand it by probably. Is there space there to expand though? Because yeah, there is. There Leonia is, there is, there is. is so tight. No, no, no. What I would do is I would blow out, like you know, I have you know, I have a deck, so I would blow all of that out and extend the house that much more, and uh, I think I could get like another thousand square feet feet uh, from it. So I would probably do that. Uh, then I would hire a private tennis coach that I would work with two to three times a week, which would be amazing. Uh, that would be a dream of mine. Uh, I want. I I've gotten back into tennis. Sua. And I've been really enjoying um, 
Yeah, I've been when, I'm sorry. Tennis, when but... when did you ever get out of tennis? I feel like for as long as no, this podcast I mean, has existed, you, you've been playing so tennis. So I I went to San Antonio. I went to the John Newcomb Tennis Ranch in in October, early October, with my friend Alex Alex G, and we spent five days of playing tennis for six hours a day. And I've caught the bug now. Like I am just, I'm like, like the weather's so nice, and I just like well before we record, I got to go out and play, and I just kind of took serves on my own and hit against the wall. And stuff like that, but like I just want to play tennis all the time now. So I have uh, fallen in love with the sports. So I would, if I had the money, I would get a tennis pro and work with him at least three times a week. That would be sort of my my hope. Um, yeah, and then everything else, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I start a foundation. I'll probably like you know start investing in the money, but I wouldn't spend it all. Like I just there's nothing. To, I'm not gonna like change my lifestyle dramatically and just because I have it. I would buy my father in law a car. He's got a really old car. I probably buy him a car. Oh, and you know what I would do? I would buy my mother a new car. She's got an, an ancient car, but then I would hire a driver for her because she can't drive. She shouldn't. Oh, be that driving. would be kind of nice to have a. Oh my gosh, a chauffeur. Yeah, and so you know, my mother lives in a subsidized senior this senior is housing. On, like living so I would it up. probably buy her like a condominium, like a, a two bedroom condominium, and then uh, and then she would have her own personal driver that if she needs to go anywhere, he'll take her wherever she needs to go. That kind of thing. I think I would probably do that. That's it. That, that's it. Oh. That's it. Oh, no, 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 It's no, no, just no. not a long list. I, I would also, I would get my sister out of the projects. My sister lives in the Marcy projects. So I would get her out of the projects and uh, get her some help. Uh, probably that would probably be a big one I would do. So get Why her are some you help. leaving out your sister, Ellen? Oh, she's fine. You know, she's got. It's the principle. You got to you know include what? all okay. your family members. I might, I might end up paying off mortgages for my families. All of them. Oh, so that's really nice. Siblings. Remember, one of your family members did buy you guys a minivan. Remember. Yes. Yes. So I would In probably pay of off need. the mortgage for everyone so that they don't have to worry about mortgage because mortgage is such a such a pain having it's to cut a check sucker. every month to pay for a house. Yeah. 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 Sucker. That that's what I would. That's probably what I would do. Um. Yeah, that's it. I don't know. I, I wouldn't. Yeah. You know I what's mean, funny? You, know, you literally just gave this long list of things, and you were like, yeah. I think that's not it. much. No, but I, I buy, think, but in I my buy head, a giant building so, uh, for the church. In my church, head, I... I'm thinking I'm still going to have like four or $500 million left over. What am I going to do with it? But I'm just like, I'm not. I mean, I you have... didn't know you got taxed pretty heavily, right? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if it's like $1.5 billion, you're going to get like, you know, you'll get at so, least like, what, eight, nine hundred million. I just, I feel like I have a very low grasp of large sums of money. Because same, I've same. never in my life like ever been in possession of like an actual large sum of money. Yeah. Um. So I don't. So I remember when we were living in Inglewood, um, and I think the Mega Millions were like four hundred fifty million or something like that. And it's John, of course, had bought now. tickets. Well, yeah, but this is back in Inglewood. Yeah. And um, John said to me like, because he had the tickets, and he was like, "What would you do with this money if like we won the lotto?" Yeah. And I said to him, "Dead serious. Like, I'd pay off my student loans." And he yeah. was like. Four hundred million dollars, and you're thinking yeah, about yeah, your student yeah, yeah. loans. It's like I don't. Heck yeah, know. you got to pay off all your debt, all your debt. But, but he's like, that, that's like such a tiny little percentage yeah. of four hundred yeah, yeah, million, yeah. and that's that's how yeah. small of a scale you think. I'm just yeah. not. I am not a visionary. Yeah. I just yeah. can't think large scale things. Um, so yeah, like I mean, I'm thinking right now, like yes, of course I would tithe. Of course I will tithe eleven percent, so I could beat you. Oh snap. Nice. But I mean, yeah. And I think that I would, you know, I would set aside a bunch of money so that if John wants to retire early and not want to go fix bones all the time, he can go retire whenever he wants and doesn't have to work. You know, men, I men, have to, men should never retire early. Yeah, but I have told John the reason why I know he's not, and I'm half joking, but also half serious. I know he won't ever win the lotto because he already won the lotto by marrying me and let me know strike twice. <laughs> I just Touché. feel like this just Touché. John. Like what how, how and listen, be, that can't be greedy. Money. Money is nothing compared to marrying the right person. I mean, I just feel Literally. like you can't be I mean, too that greedy is, with life. That you know? to me well, I, listen, listen. I'm just saying this to anyone who's listening. Like sometimes we have to sort of redefine what wealth is because I just think like wealth in terms of money. I mean, that's so overrated, right? I mean, I wish I could, like, if I had a lot of money, I get people would would probably listen to me more. But I just think it's so overrated because I know people who have a ton of money. And uh, it's really like true wealth, in my opinion, is, you know, being with the right person or living a life that 
allows you to live in perpetual peace and joy. That to me is like true wealth. And to me, that's 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 worth living for, not, not I will some say, green paper. Um, no, I, I agree. And actually, an interesting, you know, I, I studied psychology as one of my majors in undergrad. And there was this very, very interesting study that they did where they found, I don't even know how they would craft a study like this, but basically they followed a bunch of people who had won like the lotto and they followed a bunch of people who became paraplegics. Mm. And basically what they found was that if you, after six months, so after like six months to a year, I think it was after the initial um, adjustment has been made of this new reality. Mm -hmm. If you are a happy person before you won the lotto, you're a happy person after you win the lotto. Mm -hmm. If you're a miserable person before you win the lotto, you're a miserable person yeah. after you win the lotto. And the same thing for paraplegics. If you are a happy person before you became a paraplegic, you actually end up becoming pretty much the same. Like you're still a happy person <laughs> after the injury. And if you're a miserable person, you're still a miserable person. So I think at the end of the day, yeah. those circumstances have a lot less impact than we give them credit Absolutely. for. You know, it's an internal yeah. thing. And I, and I really think, you know, like material things never, never lead to joy. I mean, it can make you happy, but it never uh, leads to joy. And so, again, that's just another overrated thing. And everyone thinks like if I have certain things, it's going to make me happy. I mean, I think it can make life more comfortable and it could, you know, it can, you know, make you happy once in a while. But it's all overrated, all overrated. Granted, so relationship I, I is the most, it's, it's the greatest in my opinion, is the greatest form of wealth. And the our, only one you could take to society. heaven with you. But I will also yes. say that not to, you know, speak from a completely privileged perspective, I completely also acknowledge that if you don't have certain basic needs met, it would yes. be very, very difficult to be happy. Like, have you ever been hungry? It's I really doubt it. I, no, no, happy, I disagree with that. You know? I fully disagree with that one, Sua, because uh, I have seen people, um, you know, in parts of third world countries and it's just utter poverty, devastation, and um and they're and they're filled with they have joy in their lives you know yeah, but not that's not this but i feel like that doesn't make that doesn't mean that it's excluding what i'm saying i actually feel like if you're already a happy person and you know how to be a person i think having yeah. your basic needs met will only make you a happier person i don't actually think that you know like i feel like that's the kind of thing reasoning that people say when they don't actually know what it's like to be a parent who's watching their children not have food or watching mm -hmm. your electricity get shut off because you don't have money or being threatened to be evicted all the time i feel like it's very easy for us to say in a very glamorized way oh it's so great when you go to these developing nations and you see these poor children they're so happy yeah i saw it all the time i grew up in guatemala but at the same time i think that's an easy thing for us to say in privileged places to say oh it must be so nice to have this joy that's not dependent on money but I, I guarantee you if you ask those people would you rather be able to live in a at least not like super super wealthy but would right, you like right. to live a life where you don't have to worry about your children having food or would you like to live a life where you don't yeah. have to worry about being evicted and homeless all the time nobody's gonna tell you i would rather have this internal sense of happiness over you know be having my basic necessities met you know sure. i think I, I agree with, with what you're saying in the sense that yeah. there's certain things that are internal, but I don't think that gives us a reason to say we shouldn't be trying to meet the basic needs of other people that are poor. No, that's not I'm saying. Uh, that's not what we're saying. We're saying really it's about how do you encounter joy, and I'm just saying that it doesn't matter your external circumstances really doesn't matter. Uh, that will determine your joy level. Maybe your happiness level, but not your joy level. You know, at that at that point, because I've seen it, I've seen it firsthand, and. Human beings are incredibly adaptable. And a lot of times we compare them to like what we have or, or kind of like what we don't have and things like that. But I just know that human beings are incredibly adaptable. And it's just, you know, like we're able to adapt to things in our lives that becomes a norm. And then we learn how to deal like in terms of living in that kind of poverty in some capacity. So that's all I'm saying. So I just, I, I you know, I mean, I think sometimes when we say stuff like that, um, it's coming from our sense of privilege too that we say stuff like that. So I don't know. That's just me. So I have a different take on that. So you and I could be free to disagree on that one. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I think that it's one thing to be ha like having the joy of the Lord or ha finding yeah. happiness where you can. But I just don't think that, you know, I can, I can say somebody who lives in perpetual poverty, and I'm not talking about poverty in the sense of, you know, uh, poverty just, compared to the Western world, because obviously yeah, we, I, everybody I think, is poor compared to the Western world. Yes. Yes. I'm but talking if you're about literally seeing your child nation. starving. Yeah. I don't really think that you can say, well, you still have the joy of the Lord because any parent knows 
and these are realities for a lot of people. Yeah. I think this is what I was trying to explain to my children is like, because recently Audrey was like, are we are we middle class or are we? And I'm like, why? What are you asking me? Like, compared to whom? Like, what are you yeah, asking yeah, yeah. me? And I, I don't know why she she was like suddenly asking me these questions, but I had to explain to her that we in America have no clue what no clue. poverty is. And I say that because I grew up in a place that does not yeah. have um, certain social safety nets. And so yeah. I have literally seen, seen children barefoot at four years old, walking around streets, begging for money, coming yeah. to car, to car, to car, asking yeah. for money. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I'm not saying these people are miserable, but I also feel like there's a certain sense of, um, there's something that poverty in that on that level does. And as a yeah. parent, I just can't imagine you can be quote unquote happy knowing that you can't provide the basic things for your children, you know? And I'm not sure. talking about BMW when you graduate college. I'm talking about like yeah. food for the day, yeah. you know, yeah. whether that yeah. be one meal or two meals, yeah. whatever it may be. No, you know? absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. Um, but anyway, let's, what, what would you do with your money? Um, you know, like, so like I said, I think probably I would, uh, okay, I would not hopefully do everything for me. Like, I don't think I would leave anything to my kids, to be honest. I think I would probably pay for, um, have something set apart for their college and mm -hmm. then possibly maybe like grad school if they wanted to go. But other mm -hmm. than that, like, I would not leave them anything um, in the sense of like inheritance, because I actually mm -hmm. really think that the knowledge of having something like that really stunts your development as a person. Absolutely. And I think um, you can say That's all you good. want about how, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter if you do. I know for a fact, at least for me, I am not somebody that is so evolved that if I know I don't have to do something, I can still motivate myself to do it. Yeah. And I think that's that's just human nature. If I tell my child at 11 years old, um, you should try your best. You should try your best. But basically... In like theory, you don't even have to work a day of your life because look at all this mo money that mommy is leaving you. Yeah. How in the world can you motivate yourself to be the best version of who God's called you to be? Like, where do yep. you find that motivation? Because comfort is maybe this goes back to your point. Comfort is kind of the killer of motivation. Um, and that's why, you know, in, in interesting studies, actually, they found that um, children like teenagers of wealthier nations have higher rates of depression than children of um like poor nations, 100% agree. Some of yeah. that, and nobody really knows why, because the studies are all about like the actual outcomes. Nobody's, mm. I mean, there's hypotheses about why, but nobody really knows exactly why. Sometimes I just wonder, like, if you lose motivation to live your life, like you can't really be happy, you know? And so, sorry, I'm going completely off tangent. Yeah, but, let's talk um, about spending. Let's talk about you spending. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's what I want to know. I would really buy? love. What are you gonna do? I would really love a nice vacation home in a sunny place so I could escape the doom and gloom yeah. that is the Ohio like, winter. Yeah. You, you can go west, get a house in Newport Beach. No, I don't like California. Oh, I love California. Okay. It's not my thing. Um, Yeah, maybe like somewhere international. Maybe Aruba. Somewhere, somewhere where it's like really nice all the time. Yeah, um, and, and, it's, and Aruba has no humidity. That's It's like desert heat. So it's like a really like, yeah, I mean, place. if you want to go to a place where you don't have to worry about whether it's going to be raining or sunny, go to Aruba. There's no rain. It's just yeah. a desert. And it's, it's a hurricane free zone. I don't yes. know why we're promoting Aruba. Sorry. There is no yes. hurricanes in Aruba. Yeah. So you can book a vacation. You it's know, amazing. it's going to, it's going to work. It's yeah. amazing. Sorry. We are literally going off course here. It's been like 30 <laughs> minutes and all we've talked about. I know. What are we doing here? Okay. But would you buy your parents like an apartment in like, yeah, yeah, yeah. In Korea? My, I mean, my like parents a nice own apartment? an apartment in Korea. Oh, they do? Okay. Um, but okay. I would like to make it a little bit bigger because it's yeah. literally a studio. And so yeah. if maybe they like could, a three bedroom, could enlarge man. their yeah. space a little bit, um, you know, I, I would probably um, cut out a chunk of money for... Yeah, you're right. Like everyone in my family. So like my, my sister-in-law's family, uh, my brother, um, my in-laws. I mean, I'm rich. That's Just, right. You know, I'm, I, I can be generous. I'm super right. rich. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But and that, for me, I thought the only other thing was that I would never, ever fly coach for the rest of my life again. <laughs> I mean, I you kind be, of really. <laughs> I'd be business class for life. Minimum business class? Kind of you wouldn't Minimum go first business. class? I would definitely go first class if oh, I, okay. depending on the hours of trip, but business class, you know, the, the difference between business and first class is very marginal many times. The That's price what is a very not marginal. Huh? 
The price no, so, is not so, marginal. So this is what a very wealthy guy told me. He said the difference between business and first class is incredible. He said it's marginal. It's better, but it's marginal. The difference between economy and business class is exponential. You know, and so like kind of like so for me, it's like I probably would fly business at least all the time. And then if we go to like, you know, Africa, yeah, I'll do first class. Yeah, I love that. that would Have my be own little so suite. So nice. You know, this is, this is That'd such so a nice, nice conversation to think about because um so we're going to Korea next summer and um I was like, "Oh, maybe we should go first class. It's like an overnight trip." Do you know how much one first class ticket in Korean it's like Airlines costs? Like $25,000. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was I I just couldn't believe it. Like I was like, yeah. "Is this for real? Like how could somebody pay I mean, 25,000 for 14 hours of your life? This seems completely absurd. It's, you know, but people can write it off if it's a business trip, you know, yeah, but people can write that off on the taxes. It's a car (laughs) for 14 hours of comfort and luxury. Yes, 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 yes. That's how you know I am not like a multimillionaire because my mindset like can't adapt. Like I can't even comprehend Mm -hmm. $25,000 for a trip. So anyway. Anyway. Okay, cool. Well, so what are we going to talk about today? Um, we are, oh, so we are going to talk about, um, I'm leading, we're going to talk about, um, you know, and I think this is something that everybody has kind of felt, you know, in their own journeys, um, in their Christian walks, what do you do or what should your response be if you have been praying for something or someone for a long time, but you just feel like God is not listening or maybe God's not working on your behalf or it's just your prayers are going completely ignored or unanswered. Um, And this could be obviously a variety of things, but what should like, is, is that true? How do we respond to that? What should be our attitude when we counter something like that? Have, Have you ever, have you ever prayed for someone and like, still like that prayer like whether it be for their you know salvation that they come to know jesus and stuff like that and like you just feel like god hasn't answered that prayer have you had I one have. of those you i have, have. Yeah. i can't go into too much detail yeah. because yeah, sure, um, sure, sure. the particular person may listen to the podcast and i have not gotten permission from this particular person to share the things <laughs> but People i will tell you listening that know you're going to be like is she talking about me <laughs> I, you know, I did have an instance once when I said something about a nameless person and multiple people were like, I know you were talking about me. No, I wasn't. That's awesome. That's awesome. I was like, I mean, yeah, they were so sure. Like they were like, I know it was uh-huh, me. Uh-huh. And I was like, yeah, totally. <laughs> but no, but so you but, said yes, like four or five people. I don't yeah, you see, that's the thing. No one has ever, ever said stuff like that to me. That's like because you after. just, you know, okay, I'm going to do a PP for a second. Okay. This is PP. Yeah. yeah um, I'm going to share. I hope it's okay that I'm sharing this about this person. I didn't get their permission, but I hope it's okay because I'm going to share it anyway. So here it goes. Here's the person's <laughs> name. There you go. Like, like first and middle and last name. Like clearly okay. there's no question who you're talking about because you say the person's oh, name every man. time. But anyways, yes, I have. Um, and it was, I want to say it was about like 15 years wow. of praying, wow. but it has somewhat come to fruition. Wow. Um, that's yes. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's wow. still kind of a developing story, obviously, as all mm. of us are. But um, yeah, I know I am very familiar with the despair, <laughs> like yeah. the despair, you know, of the unknown yeah. and the uncertainty. Yeah. What about that's you? crazy. No, I have too. I mean, I've I've, pray, you know, I've been praying for my sister's salvation for forever. Um, I've been praying for my in-laws' salvation forever, uh, and it's just yeah, it's just it's it's a prayer that we pray as a family almost on a on a regular basis, and uh, you know. But I think I think the calling is that we just continue to be persistent because prayers like that, um, they're not self-centered prayers. They're they're really good prayers. They're they're prayers. Um, uh, that I know that God would want us to continue to pray. Uh, will he answer it? Uh, you know, I think that's the part of where, you know, we have to say that, you know, God can only do so much. At the end of the day, the person has to make a decision and say, yes, I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ. God will never force somebody to do that. And I know that we can start getting into the whole predestination versus free will kind of a thing. But I do believe that only God can only do so much. And, uh, and at that point, you know, it's, it's, it's really the other person's, uh, turn to really, you know, make a decision. So, but I think we should continuously pray for people's salvation. Um, if, if we have people that we love and they don't know Jesus 
And I, it gets discouraging. Um, and I know it can get discouraging, especially if the person passes. Like, that's yes, really hard. Yes, that's what I was going to ask um, about. That is, that is brutal. Like, how and do you reconcile that? You really, I mean, the, the best thing is this. No matter what, we have to embrace the mysteries of God. We just have to embrace it. We can't know everything. And, you know, we just we just have to say to ourselves, okay, you know what? Um, that is something that I'll know when I get to heaven. But I, on, in this lifetime, I can't. It's one of the things that Karl Barth once said. He's a, 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 a Swedish philosopher, a theologian. So and, you know, his... his quoting philosophers. Well, no, well, he, well, he's a theologian. He's great. Uh, he wrote a book. He wrote a, a series called Church Dogmatics, which is really probably like his, his, his name to fame kind of a thing. But Bart has a real different idea of theology of, of I mean, his uh, salvation, his theology of salvation. He doesn't believe in predestination or free will. He believes everyone's saved. Right? He says because John three sixteen says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son." You know, the world means everyone. So, th- so basically, Bart believes that everyone's saved. Not everyone knows it, though. Not everyone knows it. And that's the role of the Holy Spirit. That's our job to help people to know, to come and to say yes. Is that not a very controversial um, stance? I I love the stance. I I love his stance. I mean, I hope it's true, but um, it just kind of goes against a lot of what I've been taught. Well, the thing is But I certainly hope he's right. But if the person just, Christ has died for everyone. He hasn't just died for a select, you know, a select number of people. The de- his death and resurrection means that he's died for everyone. Everyone is covered under that. Well, now that's the- technically true. Yeah, it is true. Yeah. No, no, Carpart's brilliant. I'm telling yeah. you, brilliant. His I I subscribe to his. Honestly, I believe in his theology of salvation more so than Calvin, uh, the Armenians' uh, the- theology on salvation. I believe in what Bart says because Christ has died for all. He didn't just die for a select few or a select group of people. He died for everyone. So we're all saved. We are all saved in that way, but not everyone knows it. And the job of the Holy Spirit is to illuminate the realization that they have been saved, that Christ has died for them. It's our job to help and be a conduit of that. And he says at the end, he says this, but why does the Holy Spirit illuminate some people to understand what Christ has done for them and he doesn't for others? He says, that's not our question to ask. We'll know that when we get to heaven. Sorry, I don't want to go off topic, but I'm very... um... I'm a little bit like, what? So are you saying that you think everybody goes to heaven? No, no. Because only you're the saying ones everybody who... is saved. No, everyone has been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, but not everyone knows it. So only you know those who yeah. acknowledge it yes. are going to yes. actually go yes. to heaven. So what are you saying we are saved from exactly? No, the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, the redemptive work of Jesus Christ has been Christ, completed. And it's for everyone. It's yes. Not just for a select okay. Because that, I, I think that I'm people saying. who are yeah. listening may confuse what you're saying and be like, "What? PP is now being like Rob Bell? Like every everybody goes to heaven?" And no, because I wish Nobody that were goes, true. Yeah. I mean, God, man, yeah. like if if there were if there were a way for everybody to go to heaven, like that would be the true, you know. Um, I mean, that would be great, but I don't. I just feel I like don't know if that not. would be great. I, mean, I don't think that would be great because there's some really want, bad people that people don't deserve to go to heaven. Come on. Okay, but PP, let's not. Okay, Come hold on. on. Now we're going to a completely slippery slope yeah, yeah. where we're like putting, um, you know, sinners on spectrums and say at certain points like they don't deserve to go to heaven. But you do yeah. remember, first of all, I know, I know who's at the top of your list. It's like pedophiles. Yes, <laughs> I was gonna say that. No, exactly. If they're going. not redeemed, if they don't, if they haven't surrendered a lot to Jesus, I don't want them in heaven. No, 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 no. I'm saying, I'm yeah. okay. Right. So you're saying, right. So you're saying. Even pedophiles, if they've surrendered their lives and have had this repentance, it's okay for them to go. Okay, okay. I, I I feel like I'm being oh, your PR absolutely. person. I feel like okay. Olivia Pope right Why, now, like PR, like editing everything you're saying. Wait. No, because um, it's, what, what, what it did you think us, I, I said? Like it made us seem as if you said some people don't deserve to go to heaven no matter what because oh, of all no, the horrible no, no. things they no, did. No, no, no. I was just responding to your thing right, when you okay, said okay. it would be great if everyone went to heaven. Right, okay. I'm like, no, it wouldn't. I don't think that would be great for me. I wouldn't want everyone okay. to go to heaven. So anyway, yeah. I, okay, hold on. Okay, so All going right. back to the original yes. question. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> go, going Okay, and that's obviously one type of probably a very, very common yeah. prayer that people have had. Um, but some other ones, I mean, I encounter a lot, maybe not with the same level of like eternal ramification, mm. but just in the here and now. Um, like, for example, one that I hear um, from friends um, is 
why won't God find me my partner? And I bring this up because it's such a common one, you know, Mm. and I think there is such a, there, there is such a level of resentment sometimes or bitterness about it because to be honest, you look around and the world is not made for single people. Like even Mm -hmm, the amount of food mm -hmm. that they sell at restaurant, like, you know, like if you Mm -hmm. go to a restaurant and you're a single person, you can only order one meal. That's very sad. At least if you go with a partner or friend all the time, you can order multiple. I I think I can personally eat two dishes at a restaurant. Okay, well, okay, that's not... (laughs) You are not the average person. In That's many it, I'm ways. not the average person. In many ways. Right, 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 um, but right. if you go to like a supermarket, you know, the amount of food that like buy two, get one free. Like you, if you're a single mm. person, what do you do with that? There's yeah, so or many like, things. Or, or Costco's. A single person yes, cannot your have your favorite a place ever. My favorite place in the world. Yes. And like my friend, I have a friend who is single and he's like, a Costco membership is absolutely useless for me. Exactly. I just, I can't eat all that food. Yeah. So yeah. actually, they're being taxed in a weird way. Like they actually have yeah. actually have to be paying a lot for a premium. They get taxed, literally get taxed yeah. at a higher rate. Yeah. Um, and even little things like um, if you for okay, I'll give you an example. One time I went to the Zamele Gala alone because um John had to watch the kids. And okay. I went alone and it was such a weird experience because you, I'm so, I was so used to going with mm. John to all of these mm. events, just the, I just like the act of walking into a place by myself. And in, there were these like photo ops where you go in and then they take these like yeah. cool, like paparazzi pictures. And yeah. I was taking my pictures by myself and it was just really weird. Mm. Um, mm. And I, I, so I was talking to my, my girlfriend who was single at the time. And I was like, this was really weird. And she was like, mm. Sua, welcome to my life. Like that yeah. is how yeah, all yeah, of yeah. my life feels like. Yeah. And I had this like, I like eye opening experience of man, like there's so many things that we do as a standard that we never think about, but we or maybe we think about like even at churches we preach sermons and we say oh listen up like we're doing a series on marriage but if you're single listen up because one day you'll be married what if they're not so i think it's very Mm -hmm. difficult for people who've been praying for a very long time to meet their partners when they don't see that happening sure that's tough i I can't really answer that so i really can't i mean you got married so young well listen if, if so i would say this i would say this uh first of all um you know in the first few hundred years of the church and i think we cover this in uh in a uh, in the first season um podcast the first few hundreds of the church uh first few hundred years of the church um single people singleness was absolutely the preferred lifestyle than the married life and the single people would be the ones sitting up in the front married people had to sit in the back right in the sense where the privileged people get to sit in the front and mm-hmm. back because you get to do more for God. There's more mm-hmm. things you can do. You don't have the limitations of a family that holds you back from doing the things that God may, may want you to do. And so when you think about this, there's been such a cosmic shift in the church all of a sudden uh, where marriage is now like the preferred thing. And I think I think, I think think churches have to do a better job, and, and Metro included, that we don't make single people feel like that their life is incomplete uh, if they're single in their lives. That singleness is actually a, a, a lifestyle. It's it's a, it's a, a living a life that God has called you to live, and to live into it in a full way. That you shouldn't put your life on hold uh, until you get married, because that's really tragic. So, if somebody's single, they've been praying for a husband, keep or a wife, keep praying. I mean, if that's something that you really long for, absolutely keep praying for it. But also, don't put your life on hold and say. Well, I'm just going to put my life on hold until I find that person. Really discern what God might be calling you to do with your life, certain things, and go for it. And I've learned, like, you know, Scott and Christina Kwok, uh, that, that, that's probably the best example I can give. Who were on our Scott, podcast previously. Yeah, they were, on my, they were on our podcast a couple of weeks ago. And one of the cool things about that was that, you know, Scott was just doing what God was calling him. He was single. He was just doing what God was calling him to do. Now, honestly, he was in his 30s. People could be like, what are you doing? You got to like get married. You got to have family. You got to have kids. And uh, I mean, he could have, of course, listened to that and maybe stay in the States till he found somebody that went overseas. But he's like, no, God is calling me to go overseas. And so he did. He went overseas and he was serving, doing what God has called him to do. And while he was doing that, he met his significant other. Now, I'm not guaranteeing that's going to happen. But what I am guaranteeing is this. When you do what God is calling you to do, when you're discerning, you're living your life to the fullest of what God is calling you to do, 
I do believe then you'd exponentially increase your chances of potentially meeting somebody because you're in the lot, you're sort of in the will or you're in, in sort of in, in tandem with what God is calling you to do. And that's how God kind of works. But if you're kind of putting your life on hold and you just expect like one day, like you're going to be at a cafe and then a guy's going to reach out to you like or something like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, I, I just feel like the, the thing that single people have to do is that continue to pray for it if you want to get married and you really long for that. And I just want people to know, I just want our single people to know marriage is really hard. It's super, super hard. And you just have to be prepared to really work incredibly hard so that your marriage can be healthy. Because the reality is most marriages are dysfunctional and it's unhealthy and it's so easy to screw a marriage. It's so easy to screw it up, but it's so hard to make it but, work. So know, just just giving you a sort of a, a warning before you 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 do this. Right? I'm listening but, to yeah. you, and I agree with everything you are saying. Yeah, like I think that's like a great and actually even having been somebody who listened to you preach about singleness for many 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 years, I actually feel like even your whole theology of singleness and the way you speak about it has evolved actually a lot because I know we used to do series on it years ago. Yeah. And I feel like even that's continuing to get tweaked for you. So um, I think that's like, you know, great. I'm like, listen, I'm like, yeah. yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. That's great. However, on the flip side, I feel like it's so hard. And I don't speak as somebody who knows personally because I, I got married super young, but I feel yeah. like it's so difficult to look around. Yes. You say these things like marriage is difficult to kind of, you know, um, give a reality check for those who kind of idealize it or put it on a pedestal. And I completely understand why you're doing that. And I think it's completely true and it's fair, but also you look around and it's not like the majority of people in, in your age bracket are not doing it because it's difficult. Most people are, seems like getting are. married. Some people get married more than once for crying out loud. Yes. Yes. And then yes. in the animal kingdom, they're all pairing up somehow. And you it's like your I rooster. My my well my rooster is um, a polygamist. My rooster has <laughs> lots of mates. The ratio is one rooster to eight chickens, so he's very very lucky. Oh wow, rooster. wow. Um, yes, yes. Which is not, by the That's way, true. they he he's not Christian, so he does not he can do that. Um, <laughs> just to make it, clear. I have like no idea. You're hilarious. You're no, too you're but, too you're, no, you're too straight and narrow, girl. You're like my rooster is no. not Christian. I, I know rooster, that the rooster does not have to ascribe to the holy law. He's a, he's poultry. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> you know, it's really hard. It's really hard to yeah. not feel like what is wrong with me because yeah. everybody seems to be coupling Absolutely. up, and I Absolutely. feel like it would be very very difficult not to be resentful. Like God, like mm -hmm. am I not doing enough for you? Like have I yeah. not been faithful? Like you can't give me something so basic as a person to marry. Like everyone seems to be getting married around me. You know, and so I, I get what you're saying. I completely agree with all of it. And I love that you say it in the way you do. Yeah. I also, though, feel like it's one of those areas like. Is is it OK to be angry? Like, is Absolutely. it OK to be resentful? No, I, you know? I think it's OK to be frustrated. You know, you got to bring all that stuff to the Lord. But, you know, those I mean, just keep praying it. That's the thing. Like, I'm I'm, I'm not telling you to stop. Just keep praying it. Just keep praying and praying that God would 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 um would uh you know allow you to meet somebody real special so definitely I, I i don't discourage that at all keep praying it and uh you know and hopefully in in the process of all of that that you know and again like i it's hard for me to speak to this because again i'm married to and i got married incredibly young like you so i, I can sound like a like an a-hole saying stuff like this but at the end like you know i just hope and and i hope and i would like to believe that if i was not married right now and I was in that place where I was wanting to get married, I know it would be incredibly hard too, and I would be struggling with it. But I think the thing that I would ask myself on a regular basis is, but is God, is Jesus still enough for me? Like if I ended up dying single, you know, is he still enough for me? And I hope that that would be the case for everyone, uh, whether you're married or single, but especially if you're single and saying, you know, as long as Jesus is enough for me, um, and I think we just have to be careful. We have to be careful because we naturally idolize things that we really want in our lives, whether it be like a, you know, an Apple watch. I, I've been looking at it quite a bit at the ultra, the ultra. It's a little personal but, here. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, like it's so like, we're just naturally wired to worship God. So idol worship is a natural thing for us because we're wired to worship God. And if we're not worshiping God, we'll worship other things, whether it be like material things like a watch or it can actually be a relationship. We can idolize those things. 
And we just have to be careful because, you know, our God's a very jealous God. And, you know, he, he even did it with Abraham when he gave him Isaac. Um, he was like, oh, I don't know, man. I don't know if this guy really loves me the way he says he does because he just loves his son so much more. So I just think that it's important for us to also realize that, you know, the most important thing that we have in life, whether you're married or single, we all have. And that's Jesus Christ. And hopefully we that would be enough for us so that we can keep moving forward in life, whether we're married or single. And uh, yeah, and and that way. And I have, you know, again, like I've shared this before, sat in the in the in a counseling session where um, couples have said, "I'd rather be single than be married right now." And so, yeah. So it's not. It's it, it's at the end of the day, um, yeah. We just have to just surrender and just trust God and know and just believe that He knows what's best for us at the end of the day. So, but keep praying that prayer. I would just say, keep praying that prayer. Don't stop. Keep going. Yeah. I think it's very difficult because in that, and I have one other example that comes up a lot when I speak to friends, uh, but this one is, I, I no, like the, going back to like the whole being single and um, really longing for that partner um, kind of under that subheading, there's also a group of, and I say woman because we're a lot more um, kind of vulnerable in or limited in the sense of the number of years we have to have kids. And I think, you know, yeah. when you are young and you dream about your life, I think most of us have, most of us, not all, but most of us have envisioned a certain type of life, you know, a husband or a wife, like children, you know, and I think you dream about those things for so long that when you see that it's time's running out for you and these things are probably not going to be your reality, I think it's really, really difficult. And there is, I think it's okay to mourn that kind of- Oh yeah, grieve and mourn, absolutely. Man, like- it's, it's, I can't even imagine if I've dreamed this all my life, that that's how at 45, this was what my life was going to look like. And yeah. it doesn't seem like there's any, at least biologically, any possibility of this happening. I really feel like it's okay to, to be sad about it and to, to mourn the fact that your Absolutely. life didn't, you know, pan out the way you had. Absolutely. I mean, yes, like you said, like, like you said, encourage yourself when it's appropriate that Jesus is enough and sufficient and Jesus is still good and life is still good. But man, like that's gotta be really rough. The next one yes. that I think is maybe the- Oh, can I just say one more oh, thing, yeah. Sua? Yeah, of course, of course. And, and I hope nobody gets angry with me at this, but can I just <laughs> encourage our singles community? Like, don't settle. Like, don't settle because you want to really get married. I, that's all I would say. Just mm. because um, the chances are if you just really settle because you want to get married, and I'm not saying like, you know, I'm not talking about necessarily like the looks or things like that, but, uh, but I'm just saying, just don't settle, yeah, don't yeah. settle for the values that you want in a man or in a woman. And like the things that you've put, that's really important to you. And you know, kind of what you're looking for in a partner, like don't settle, don't settle for somebody that's a lesser version of that, because then it's, it's, I think it's just going to make life a lot harder on you, you know? So anyway, yeah, that's all I would say, but hey, go advice. ahead. What's the, what's the other one? No. So the other one, and I think this is maybe one of the like most, and maybe I shouldn't say most of them. I don't want to like stratify which ones are the most difficult, but I think personally, if I had to vote one and it's not because I have personal experience, but like chronic illness or pain, like, I feel yeah. like this yeah, I, is I was just that one that, that yeah. just, man, like, I just don't even know like how to pray for people when, you know, when people tell me that I'm dealing with, because there's so, I mean, I don't even know how to pray. You know, I, I'm like, please don't ask me to pray. Like, please, I just don't even know what to say, you know? Um, you, you And you're a pastor. Obviously you see this yeah. a lot more than I do and they probably expect you to pray. For them. <laughs> so like, yes. what are, I mean, what do you think? What are your thoughts? Yeah. You know, it's really important that, uh, that if somebody that you care about and love and they have an illness, poten- even a potential terminal illness, mm-hmm. which is really hard, that we do that we do everything we can to keep praying, pray for healing um, and always pray for that. But again, like, you know, we just have to embrace the fact that we live in a very broken world and, you know, diseases, terminal illnesses are just part of life. And just because God doesn't answer that prayer doesn't necessarily mean that God doesn't love that person or doesn't love you. Uh, you know, I just think, you know, our life on earth is not like, we think that that's it. Like when you talk to most Christians, they can't even fathom heaven. They can't even fathom what life after death is like, like what eternal life is going to be like. God knows it all. He knows the whole scope of eternity and he's working with that. But yet we're working with just the 80 years that we might have here on this earth or 85 years, right. That we might have on this earth. Wait, 85? And that's, and, 
Why 85? I, I thought it was 75 is the average in America. Is that right? I think it's, I think it keeps going up because of the advancement of medicine and stuff I like that. I think COVID lowered it. But anyway, continue. All right. Yeah. Yeah. But just whatever it is, 75 years you have on this earth. Like for us, we feel like that's it. That's all we have. No, it's, it's like but a mm. breath. We have more than that. And so, you know, like I faced this on, our, on, on the real when my nephew uh, was diagnosed with leukemia at 18 months. Mm. And it was like, oh, man, like there's a chance, you know, Jordan might not make it, you know, like, but we're going to keep praying and praying that God heals him. And luckily, because they caught it so early, he's fine, you know, and stuff. But there's always a chance where he doesn't. And I think at the end of the day, you got to grieve, you got to mourn all of that, but you can't stop praying for it. You can't stop praying and, and just entrusting yourself to the Lord and to God in that way. Um, and, you know, I, I, I said that God's love for us is deeply connected to his ability to be present with us. It's not like for us as Christians, we often sort of determine or we like to gauge God's love or use as a barometer about him answering our prayers. And, you know, I mean, I get it's human nature to think that like, God, you should answer all my prayers and this and that. And, you know, Jesus even says, pray, pray, just keep praying. Uh, but at the end of the day, what I've learned over the years is that God's greatest um, way in how he loves us, his love language is his ability to be ever present with us, no matter what season we go through in our life. And that, to me, is really what we need more so than anything else. And and um, and it's what he promises us. And so, um, yeah, that's 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 it's hard. It's not easy. And I know you were surrounded by a lot of that because you were a social worker in a hospital. And uh, and you've encountered, you know, hard things with people being sick and stuff like that. But I just think we should continue to pray, pray for healing. Some people get healed. Some people don't, you know, and stuff. And uh, and we'll, we probably will know when we get to heaven why somewhere and somewhere. That's my best way I can I can say it. So it's so hard not to wonder the why. Why not me? You know, because that's just the way our human mind works. Is like, when why you not? See, why didn't I get this? Well, why the first, person, well, yeah. firstly, why did I have to have, you know, this illness that gives me chronic sure. pain every day? Like yeah. I see because I recently, you know, um, I read something on the World Wide Web and it said something like. <laughs> Who, you know, whoever said worldwide? Who was about that? I heard anyone say worldwide. People web. don't even know what worldwide web is. That's what WWE. You're talking w in the '90s okay? language. When I was in college, I am a '90s in the kid. 90s, professors were like the worldwide. Okay, listen, web. let I'm me like, get what? on my Netscape navigator to figure out. The Yo, world my wide goodness. Web. No, my but listen. Web. No, so um, it was it was something. It was the the girl who was writing it is somebody who has I think she has lupus or she has some kind of like mm. chronic condition that is very inflammatory and um, causes her pain and it's it's constantly like a it comes back and then it goes into remission comes back and goes into remission it's just she's in constant pain and she yeah. said something along the lines of it blows my mind that there's people out there walking around who never think about being healthy like they don't even think about it. It's something yeah. that they don't even think about yeah. because yeah. she thinks about it constantly. That's all she thinks yeah. about is how am I going to wake up today? What am I going to feel yeah. like when I wake up today? And it really was very like, wow, like enlightening for me because I don't really think about being healthy. You know, I mean, I think yeah. about like healthy in the sense of like, I want to exercise and eat right. And yeah. I was just yeah. telling Pastor Peter about how deceitful chia seeds are. Nobody eat chia seeds. They're 160 calories and three tablespoons. Who told me that was healthy? <laughs> this is an advertisement against chia seeds. But anyways, going back to my original topic. Um, no, so I, I just feel like it's so hard not to wonder, A, why am I the one who has to yeah. get this curse of having illness? Everyone else seems to be walking around totally fine. And B, then why does that person get healed and I don't get healed? Because sometimes, you know, in our church, at, you know, at the vineyard, uh, we have a lot of healing ministry and we hear mm. um, testimonies of people who had cancer yeah. who are now completely cancer free. Mm. But then for every person that has that, there's like three, four people who are not healed. And yeah. I think it's very difficult to look at that scenario and say, God, why did you heal that person and not me? And yes, maybe logically we can come to a certain conclusion of like, we can't question God. But as a person, I feel like it would be very difficult to, especially let's say like, you know, I worked in bone marrow transplant. We had pediatric parent patients who would die. I just can't imagine a parent would not look at a kid who got healed and then look at my kid and say, why did that kid get to walk? out yeah. and be discharged and my kid's yeah. still here you know so yeah it's so hard i mean Sue, yeah. it's like it's just so hard to even talk about that 
I would just say, keep praying, you know, like we don't stop praying prayers of healing and things like that. But what I will say to address that would simply be, you know, I just think, and I want to say this lightly, but, you know, I think we, we just naturally have this tendency to believe that God is here to make our lives easy and comfortable, uh, exempt from pain, sicknesses, and hardships. But nothing could be further from the truth. Mm. I mean, it just, it's just, it's not biblical. We live in a very broken, sinful world. And as a result of it, those things happen to us. You know, we go through broken, sinful things. There are sinful people that do terrible things to us. You know, uh, especially growing up as a kid, if you've been abused in some capacity. I mean, terrible things. And, uh, you know, God's promise to us is that he will always be ever present. Also, I will say that if there was anyone, like Paul raised people from the dead. All right. That's how powerful Paul was. Paul had spiritual authority and power as, as much as any other apostle disciple did. I mean, the guy, like people would be healed just by his shadow. I mean, that's the level of, of authority he had, but he mm -hmm. could never heal himself. Right. Paul had a medical condition and he called it the thorn in his side. And he prayed countless of times, please, please heal me. Take this away from me. And Jesus told him in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, which is my favorite verse in the Bible, it's, it's the whole principle of how I do ministry. He says, no, I won't do that, Paul, because my strength can only be perfected in weakness. And sometimes we, we're put in these weak positions, whatever it might be, and, and we're kind of saying, God, I just want to be strong again. And I get it. It totally get legit. But have we ever put ourselves in a place where we can experience the perfect strength of God in our weaknesses. And that's why Paul says at the end of that chapter, he says, well, I will all the more boast about my weaknesses and I will lean more on them so that Christ's strength can be perfected in me. And I think that is what we need. God is not this genie that's supposed to sort of, you know, just answer all of our prayer requests and heal us. And so allow us to live life pain-free. I think nothing could be further from the truth. There are some people who are healthy and they get to live life in a healthy way, you know, and stuff. And that's great. But, you know, but the reality is everyone uh, goes through hardships and pain and some go through a lot more than others. And I hope that for those who do, that they would have a greater sense of God's presence in their life than those who don't, you know, go through that. And, uh, and that, that'd be the best thing I could say, but I think we always have to pray for people's healing and pray for them. Like your church, the vineyard that does that, we got to keep praying, you know, pray that God would heal people and continue to pray that prayer so it reminds me yeah, of, it's not um, easy it's like a very and i i don't mean to say this in a flippant way because i don't i don't know like what it's like to live with chronic pain or have yeah um, an actual life-threatening illness like, i don't know what yeah. that's like um but i remember in high school and i think a lot of um, our listeners who maybe grew up in the korean church may be familiar with the story mm. of this one lady who wrote this book and she um, she was the victim of like a horrible car accident when she was, I think, in college. And basically she had like mm. burns on like 90% of her body and her face is completely disfigured. Like, I mean, she, you know, wow. I remember in her book, she wrote something about how one of the saddest things for her was that when she goes out into, because she was supposed to be an elementary teacher like that was her major yeah. but after these burns all over her face when she would go out into the streets kids would look at her and cry because they were scared mm, and it really mm, broke her heart because um mm. she was so disfigured and you know the number of surgeries because you know mm. i remember when i was a social worker they told me that the burn unit is the worst social work job because it's the most difficult just it's so difficult to be yeah. a burn victim just the pain yeah. and yeah. the um but I remember she wrote this whole book and it was a Christian book. And she talks about how God was so present with her and the presence of God was so clearly palpable with to her after her accident, during her most mm -hmm. just despairing, depressing, um, in pain moments that after this was after like a few years of her going through the accident, she actually said, I actually wouldn't want to go back to the person that I was before because I know God in such an intimate and new yeah. way that I could never imagine yeah. going back to the relationship I had with God before my accident. And, you wow. know, I remember I said this to somebody and they were like, well, of course she's going to say that she's just rationalizing her experience, but I don't think that's what she was doing. And no. at the same time, I don't think she was saying God gave her this experience 
Yeah. So that he could draw her closer. That's not yeah. what she was saying. Yep. Yep. This yep. Is a broken world. God did not cause this drunk driver to yep. give her yep. 90% yep. of burns on her body. But what she was saying was, yeah. even though the world is broken and this horrible thing happened to me and altered the course of my life completely. Yeah. God met me in such a powerful way. Yeah unparalleled to the kind of God that she knew before Yeah, that knowing that God is infinitely better than having the things that she thought were valuable before, you know? Man. And, yeah. I never yeah. heard that story. Like, yeah, so I've never heard Chishan. that story. Her name is Chisan. And Chishan, I grew up in the and, Korean um, church. I've never heard that story before. The book was called Sarangye Chisan, so which means I love you, Chisan. She's still, go she's still alive. She goes around doing public like speaking engagements. You know, um, yeah. it really is. It's inspiring, but it's so true. And and for on only she can share something like that and has that kind of power. You and I can't share that kind <laughs> no, of stuff. No. And it would, people would be like, what, what do you know, dude? Like, right, what do you know? Yeah. You know, like, what, you sprain your ankle playing basketball? Tennis, but um, But tennis. I think, you know, yeah, tennis. But, um, you know, and I think that's what I was saying at the beginning of the podcast when I said I disagree with you in the sense with, um, you know, with with, uh, you know, uh, with this idea of being happy, you know, for those parents, that, you know, and I agree with you in the sense where if a parent sees their child starving to death, I mean, it's just incredibly painful and hard. But I've 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 been to parts of the world where I've seen people who are suffering and have nothing, but yet they have God and the, and, and the depth of what like their relationship with God it's something so different. And as a result of that, you see the sense of them living life, even though they have nothing um, and they've lost so much in their life that you've been able to see what they have as joy of the Lord. And it really humbles you. And, and that story of that woman that you just shared, it really does humble us. And there is so much we can learn and grow in the midst of the pains and the hardships that we go through in this life that if we can just stop and, and and really kind of find God in that process, as opposed to just saying, God, I need you to take this away. But can we find God in the process of what we might be going through in life, no matter what it might be, whether it be a lack of a relationship or a sickness or whatever it might be, God's here. And that's why Paul can say in Romans, you know, God always works good for the things that, you know, he, he causes people to do. And at the end of the day that he rejoices in his suffering, it's not rejoicing, but it, it builds perseverance, character, character, hope. And uh, and that's the beautiful thing about, about you know, having God here. His, his promise to us that he'll be ever-present. And so we should always pray, but at the end of the day, understand that God is God and we just leave and surrender our lives to him. And that's it. And uh, because of his presence, we get to know him in a deeper way. And so that's a beautiful story. I've never heard that before, but that's a beautiful story. So, yeah, uh, I, was, I was in high school when I read it and I was like, I, I, I mean, she, how can I... I mean, she has no reason to say something like that. Absolutely know? not. If anything, you can't she has fake that. Yeah, you just she can't has fake every it. reason to hate on everybody and become the yeah. most angry. And I wouldn't even blame her. I'd be like, of course. Yeah. You know, she was yeah. this beautiful 21-year-old student yeah. at you know, Ihua University, which is like one of the num like mm. the top Korean girls yeah. university. And then her life trajectory, I mean, on all fronts measuring by the world standards, like it's like from a hundred to a zero. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like she just fell yeah. dramatically, but she's saying she would not go back. She would not trade the riches of knowing God for whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like Paul, right? She's saying it's garbage. Everything else was garbage, yeah. you know? And so it was just yeah. my going. Um, I don't appreciate no, it's beautiful. my example to um, oppose my argument. <laughs> That's not cool. It's, it's this thing that you know about God. Like once you have God in yeah, that way yeah. and you know it, Nothing else this world has to offer can even compare. It's you know, like that when sense, um, so. it's like when Jesus was on the cross and he he said, "God, you know, God, for what's the past tense of forsake? Is it forsook? Why I have you forsaken no me? Well, no, but I'm saying like God forsook yeah. him. That's not a word, yeah. is it? Um, but you know, it, you're asking I me. Know, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> don't know what me, the girl. past tense of forsake is. Why yeah. have you forsaken yeah. me? But you know, because God was able to do that. Like Jesus was forsaken by God. We never have to be forsaken by God. So no matter yeah. what dark moments we go through, we know we have, he has not forsaken us. That is yes. like a hundred percent assurance that we have because of what Jesus did for us. And so I guess the only takeaway really is a do not eat chia seeds. They're crap. And B God will never forsake us. That's why us. you can't fit into your rigid jeans anymore. <laughs> Those yes. I got this realization to, like yesterday. And I, I was telling you're, Pastor you're Peter, so, sorry, I'm going completely you off topic. Should be, 
You should I'm be a comedian. So, You're I'm so angry. I was so angry. Because I Okay, so I was making overnight oats and I was putting in my oats and then I top it with chia seeds. But I always thought chia seeds were healthy. So I literally just dumped them in. And then I just happened to glance at the nutrition label. Three tablespoons has 150 calories. So then there I am trying to scoop it out of my overnight oats, getting super <laughs> angry. Yeah. And then I told John yeah. and John's like, yeah, I knew that. He goes, I always wondered why you put so much in your overnight. Oh my God. That's terrible. John knew that and he didn't tell you, John, come on, no, John. It's grounds for divorce. But anyways, oh, I anyways. don't think so. I don't, All right, let's but I will back. say let's this is back. the one last thing I'll say. And, and yeah. cause you finish being it. that being that you brought up the cross, I think that's really important. You know, when Jesus was on the cross um, and the the Roman guards were betting who would get the cloak of Jesus. Remember that? Yeah. And Jesus looked at them and he said, Father, forgive them, mm-hmm. or they don't know what they're doing. That that scene, I just want you guys to know, Jesus prayed that prayer because the Father was present with him on the cross. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He wasn't, he didn't leave him. He was present with him on the cross. And that's what you and I have to realize that no matter how hard, no matter what cross we bear that we have to go through in life, God's promise is that he'll always be present with us. And um, until you've really encountered that in life, especially as you go through hardships, um, you're not going to know like truly how valuable that is. That's more valuable than him taking away certain things or giving you certain things is his presence. That his presence is what you and I should be going for every day of our lives and living for the most, uh, the best we can. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to kind of close with that. And so Sua, thank you. This was a wonderful topic. It was a hard topic to really talk through. And, uh, if you guys have any questions, any thoughts, um, any remarks, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to just reach out to us. You can do that. You can email us, get that on at weekpastor.org, or, or you can just reply to our social media posts, uh, when we, uh, post this episode. Okay. So thank you so much for listening. We hope that you'll join us again next week. Take care. Bye.